Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, April 19th. 2018. This is going to be our first of a two-part series covering the NFL draft. The draft starts exactly one week from today. It's a three-day long process. There's a lot to talk about. We're going to bring you guys a lot of action-packed information, some debates between Gino, myself, and the guests, educate everybody a little bit more detailed about some of the uh, you know, late-round prospects that might be gems and the process from their mindset as to you know, what it is like going through the process. So what is it about the draft that intrigues you, Gino? Well, it's just how really both the NFL and the NBA, there's no off seasons anymore. You know, that's what's amazing. They're they're basically year-round sports with all the news and all the buzz. And, and in this year in particular, it seemed like there was so much going on in free agency with the NFL, so many moves, a lot of big-name moves, which you don't generally see in the NFL. So that, that's what's fun. And how the NFL draft, it's, it's so much different than, you know, when you watch like the NBA draft, because the NFL draft is a real process. It's a real grind. And and honestly, um, this is where you make up your team in the NFL, in the draft. This is where you're going to get your interior linemen, your defensive linemen. This is where you're going to get a lot of maybe not necessarily your starters, but your, your second stringers and your guys that are filling in for injury. This is where you build your team um, through the draft. So it's. It's unbelievable, and, and the one thing that I've really – it's overwhelming, I'm sure, for someone like you who's uh, right in the middle of it doing all the work because when you just start analyzing and you start breaking down the mocks, you start looking at um, like NFL Draft Bible and how they grade the players and all of the analysis they have, it's just – it's really incredible how much information is out there now, even just compared to 15 or 20 years ago, you know? Yeah, without a doubt, and – let me say this. It's not an exaggeration to say that the course of history for these franchises will likely be uh, altered, right? Especially for the teams that I think mortgage their future, uh, maybe even trading picks to move up in the draft to select a quarterback. I mean, those are major, major decisions, and they could set you back three to five years very easily if you pick wrong, yeah, especially for the quarterback. And and look at the last couple of years. How, look at how... And it's, it's been this way now with running backs. It's trending that way. But look at the youth and how immediately in football, I think it's it's even more so than we've seen. And it's kind of a tough comparison because in the NBA right now, we're seeing some incredible rookies, but we generally don't see rookies come in like that. And in the NFL, maybe in the quarterback spot, they need a year or two. But man, we had some running backs come in right away last year with Hunt and Fournette, some absolute studs come in and, and just be able to produce right away immediately wide receivers sometimes they take a little bit more but in the trenches man you get a lot of those linemen the backers the cornerbacks um look at a team like new orleans last year and and look at what they did in the draft alone and how much they improved their team just with like three big solid draft selections look at a team like you know what the rams have done in in the last couple years um moving pieces around they got their franchise quarterback now two years ago nobody knew if if goff was a franchise quarterback and now he looks like he is one. Uh, you know, you saw Wentz was excellent in, in just a couple of years. So we were seeing a lot of these young guys now within year one or year two 
immediately impacting these these football teams. So uh, that's what's uh, it's always a little different in, in the NFL than in the other sports because generally there's a year or two you need some process. But I you know more than we more than we talk about it, Mike. I think it is kind of trending overall in sports now. We're seeing more of a youth movement in baseball, and these rookies are dominating the playoffs right now in the NBA. So they're kind of starting to get. Um, what we see in, in the NFL where you come in immediately and you produce and you help that team win. I completely agree on the positions that you mentioned. Wide receivers, it takes a little bit longer. In my experience, I think that running backs and pass rush specialists, D linemen, maybe outside linebackers. They got the, le- the least amount of hits on them, right? That's probably yeah, they, what it is too. You know, they, yeah, and I, I think that the learning curve and things of that nature, it's, it's much easier of a transition. I mean, it's always going to be difficult. But you'll see the most success. You'll see a rookie come in and have seven, eight sacks. That's not uncommon. Or a running back to get 1,000 yards. So to me, I think those are the two positions where you're going to see the most impact in year number one. One of those guys that we're hoping has a major impact uh, early on in uh, in the process here, uh, maybe develop over the first year or two, but I'm very high on him. He's a client of mine. Ben Sorensen is a Sac State All-American. He led the Big Sky in sacks, was 10th in the nation in sacks, and we'd like to welcome him on the show, talk a little draft. Ben, good morning. How are you, my friend? Hey, Ben. I'm great. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. How are you guys doing? We're doing great, and uh, I'm sure there's a lot of excitement. I know on your end, you're very, very high energy enthusiastic type of guy. Why don't you just tell us kind of where your mind is at right now, one week from the draft starting. Now, obviously, for everyone out there, Ben Sorensen, he probably projects as a late rounder slash undrafted free agent type. And so for Ben and myself, we're going to be doing most of our work on day three of the draft, which is going to be Saturday. First round is going to be uh, conducted on Thursday. So by the time we get to Saturday, that's when uh, we're going to be doing all our work. But where is your mindset at right now? You know, a week to, to nine days away. Well, right now, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm really just trying to just enjoy this entire process as much as possible, you know, because a lot of people, they don't get this opportunity to, to be in the position that I'm in right now. So I'm just trying to just take it all in, you know, and just experience it and just, just, just go with it and just, uh, you know, just never, you know, just, Take it for what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Because, uh, look, you only go through this one time in your life. And it goes by so fast. It's like a blur. I've seen it time and time again. And by the time uh, somebody ends their career, they're like, wow, it just feels like yesterday that I was going through the testing process and things of that nature. And Gino and I were just talking about testing and uh, and about some of the uh, things that you have to incorporate for your success and uh, I know that Gino w- was was uh, was coming at it from a different perspective because I'm in the trenches, I'm in the business on the agent side. But Gino's perspective is a little bit unique. And uh, and so when when we were talking about it, I, I was like, yeah, you, you've given me some things to think about it because he sees it from a different way, right, Gino? Oh yeah. So yeah. question question for you, like right now, are between the combine and now. Are there a lot of things that you're focusing on just for the combine? And then once that's done, now your focus shifts more into the training that you've been doing, you know, through college and through most of your life. Is, is something yeah. like that? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, for the for getting ready for pro day and everything, it's just, it's more, it's more like you're getting ready for a track meet, you know? You're not really training for football specific stuff because you got to be able to jump far. You got to be able to jump high. You got to run fast. You got different agility drills. And now that that's all over, I can more I can shift my training more to like the football side of things, 
And uh, now I've been I've been getting a lot more uh, technique work, a lot more uh, pass rush fundamental work, a lot more run stop work. So I can focus more on on different things in my game that are going to improve my game as a football player rather than just an athlete, which is what I needed to do for the pro day. Of all of this process so far, um, and I'm sure in the last few years you kind of had it in your mind the way you thought it was going to be. Anything, it doesn't really matter what positive or negative, I'm always curious. Does any, did anything really surprise you uh, as far as like your interactions with the teams, even your preparation with the training? Was there anything that kind of took you by surprise in a positive, in a negative, how bigger these guys are, or even, wow, I think I'm ready. I actually fit here. I just, what, what was like the, uh, as you're going through the process, anything that was just kind of out of the norm for you? Not, not a whole lot, you know. I kind of, it's, it's pretty much been everything that, that, that I've expected. You know, I feel like that means your your guy prepared I, you well, Mikey Abadir did, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike's done a great job of preparing me. Also, my trainer over in Sacramento, his name's Mike Johnson at Playmakers League. He's done a great job of getting me ready, and he also hooked me up with a guy named Chris Marshall, who's the uh, who founded this company called uh, Matt Society uh, Mental Skills Training, and he uh, kind of a lot of guys focus on just getting ready as an athlete. But the brain, you got to train the brain, too, and you got to get your mind right for all these different situations and for different things that are going to come with, uh, you know, with this whole pro day and this whole, this whole professional pursuit. So, you know, Chris, he definitely helped me out a lot in that aspect of just getting, getting the mental side of things in order, too. Yeah, and, and, and that's a pretty key component of this is kind of your mental preparation and how you approach this. You know, there's no manual. You can't really, like, Google how do you turn pro, and there's no manual yeah. that gives you a step-by-step guide as to, you know, how to turn pro. So, you know, I think uh, the support is pretty critical, and uh, like Gino was mentioning and Ben was acknowledging, you know, as an agent, I try to equip you with, uh, you know, as much information as possible, guide you along the way, prepare you for things. And l- let me tell you, Gino, Ben is really soaked in everything that I've told him. Our conversations don't need to be lengthy. Uh, he's a very cerebral guy. So the conversations could be brief because he grasps on everything and, and runs with it. So it's been really a pleasure to work with uh, Ben thus far. And, and we're looking for Looking forward to some um, success and, and having some fun together. Now, in terms of projecting in the NFL, you know, most of the scouts that have uh, evaluated you, Ben, they, they keep saying that you fit best in a 3-4 system. From a player's perspective, why don't you share with our audience why it is that you fit best in a 3-4 system? Uh, mainly because I'm a, you know, I'm, a, I'm a guy who can rush the passer very, very effectively. That's, that's, you know, that's how I had a lot of success in college. But I also had the versatility to be able to drop back into coverage and cover a, a running back out of the backfield, backfield or a tight end. Or, you know, I could cover guys. I'm athletic enough to be able to do that. So I feel like, you know, yeah, they're projecting me as a 3-4 outside linebacker, but I can also, be, I can also play 4-3 defensive end. And I feel like that versatility is going to ultimately just help me out a lot in finding a home in the NFL. Yeah, and you beat me on the punch to my next question, which was going to be, you know, tell us how you could fit into a 4-3, and I think you answered that pretty well. It's all about the versatility and the athleticism, and, you know, uh, that's why I was high on you from day number one. I think that's why scouts are high on you as well. I already know that team, that whichever team lands you is going to have a, a diamond in the rough, so to speak, and we've seen it year in, year out, you know, where... You know, late-round players and undrafted free agents make such a huge impact. They probably are what makes the difference between a team going to the Super Bowl and not. And we've seen that over the years play itself out more and more and more, G. 
Yeah, and, and the depth is the key too. We were just talking about it before uh, before Ben joined us. The last few years, in particular, we see we've seen so many injuries, uh, particularly in the trenches. I think you can you can never have too many guys coming in um, on the defensive end, especially on the on the defensive line. So Ben, uh, okay, let, let's let's be honest now. I, honest question. Give me give me a couple squads. We're not necessarily just based on where they are or the organization. Who do, who do you think a couple teams that you might fit really well with? Who's a team that you can maybe envision yourself based on how their defense runs or their coaching or maybe uh, the location is is in a, a warmer area? Where's somewhere that you think you you would you could really maybe give us a couple that could be maybe even your dream end up spots? Uh, well, I think that I would fit best with. Any team that wants to that that wants to take me, you know, I want to I want to I want to go sure. in and just and just you know I don't care where it is. I just want to I just want to play football and I want to contribute to team success. I don't have any preference really, you know. So if a team's willing no. to take me, no, and we're trying well, to win I, games, I, I'm down. Yeah, and and just to kind of expand on on Gino's question or to piggyback off of it, you know, was there a team when you were a kid, let's just say, where you kind of when you dreamt of, of playing at the next level. It's a better way did to you, frame it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, did you envision yourself, you know, being a, a Raider or a 49er since, uh, you know, you're, you're a California guy, or or or, or did, it, did it really even matter to you as a kid? Well, yeah, I mean, I've always, you know, dreamt of myself playing professional football. I've always had that dream as a child growing up. You know, I think every kid who, who plays that game ultimately has that goal. But I've never really looked at it that way. I've never really looked at it like, oh, I want to be, a, I want to be a, like a Raider. I want to be a Niner when I grow up. I just wanted to be an NFL football player. Ultimately, that's what it comes down to. I just want to be a successful fo- football player in the NFL. Now, did you guys hear that? The NFL nation that's listening. So any team that's out there, any of my buddies that are scouts, see, this is a guy who will fit anywhere. He'll contribute, and he's got the right attitude. You know, he's he doesn't have any preset judgmental blocks or anything of that nature so you know uh, i'm looking forward to these teams making the right move bringing ben Sorensen in obviously the right attitude you, yeah i had to give you a little bit of a plug there but everyone out there can see it's very evident that ben has the right attitude he's coming in humble and hungry and i think those are the two keys for any young player entering this business now i'm sure a lot of people out there want to know where are you going to be on that draft Saturday? What are you going to be doing? Are you going to be with family and friends? Do you want to be by yourself? Are you going to be playing video games? Or are you going to be in front of the TV set on the NFL Network? What is it that you plan to do on the following Saturday, Ben? Uh, I'm, I'm most likely going to uh, head back down to Clovis and just spend it with my family. You know, just be with the people who, who matter the most to me, who have supported me all throughout my entire journey and just, you know, just be with them because they've, you know, they've they've stuck it out with me throughout the entire thing. And those are the people that I want to that I want to spend the day with. Now, for those who don't know, Clovis is in the Central Valley of California, closest, uh, you know, big city, if you will, is is, is Fresno, uh, known for you know agriculture, hot summers. Fresno <laughs> State is uh, is is kind of the uh, you know everybody loves Fresno State down in that region. I'm from a little bit north of Ben in Modesto. You know, maybe, I don't know, hour and a half, hour, 40 minutes away. So, you know, uh, from from my perspective, selfishly, you know, I'd love to see you on one of these California teams. Obviously, from a business perspective, you know, we, we're going to be happy seeing you anywhere. Uh, 
rookie minicamp is around the corner. And to kind of go back to a question that Gina posed earlier in terms of preparation and the differences between, you know, your combine testing preparation and getting ready for rookie minicamp, do you have any, um, you know, feeling of excitement? You know, just the fact that, you know, in a couple of Thursdays, you're going to be donning a NFL helmet and, and, and playing alongside first rounders, third rounders, undrafted free agents. The, late, the playing field is level at that point, which is kind of the neat thing. You know, once you get there, it doesn't matter your label. Everybody's just an NFL player on the whatever team it is, the Raiders or whatnot. But what are your thoughts and emotions thinking about that specifically? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for it, you know. I feel like I'm, uh, I'm, I'm prepared to, you know, because I feel like a lot of guys, when they first go into the, into the NFL, they kind of starstruck a little bit, you know, like, oh, there's this guy, there's that guy. But, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm mentally prepared enough to just be like, okay, I'm here, I'm ready to do this. I'm one of the guys who's going to contribute to this team, you know. We're all on the same playing field now, as you said. doesn't matter if you're a first-round pick, undrafted free agent. You're all here. And uh, it's whoever's the whoever's going to be the, the best guy is going to get the spot, you know. And I'm I'm excited to go in there and earn a spot. Yeah, that's the competitor in you, you know. And uh, you know, I, th- I think that's one of the things also that really stands out is uh, how competitive Ben is. So you know, when uh, when you're at that next level and we bring you back, we're going to ask you, you know, what are your favorite memories of year number one or year number one so far? So let's take everybody back. Give us your your favorite college memory. Oh, man, my favorite, well, I probably have two of them. Uh, but my number one favorite is uh, definitely beating UC Davis my senior year because that's a huge rivalry game. Uh, you know, it's always good to, to go out, you know, end your college career with a win. And obviously going to, with a win against UC Davis was huge for me. Um, and then my second one, my second favorite was, was playing at Fresno State in their stadium my junior year just, just because, you know, all of my – my entire town was there. You know, all my family was at the game. They all had T-shirts made for me or tailgate and stuff. And that was really great just to, just to have them come out and, and be able to watch me play at a big stadium that, that I grew up going to a lot, you know. That's awesome, man. Well, there you guys have it. Ben Sorensen, Sac State All-American, NFL draft prospect. Ben, why don't you tell us uh, where we can follow you, give us your plugs for any uh, people that kind of want to track your journey moving forward from here. Where can people uh, find you? Uh, yeah, my, my Instagram is bsorensen98, and Twitter is the same thing. bsorensen98, and Sorensen has two E's, uh, yep. not, not O's. So, once again, Ben Sorensen, we thank you very much. Thanks, we, man. We will definitely update you guys out there as to his progress and uh, bring him back maybe after rookie minicamp. Give us a inside information type of description as to you know how that all went. So, Ben, thank you very much. Uh, very much. Good luck to you, my, my man, and we will talk to you soon. Everybody out there, hang tight. We're going to take our first commercial break, and we will be back in a jiffy. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. If you're looking for more information on firearms and the shooting sports, check out Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. 
Kelly is the owner of Macmillan Fiberglass Stocks with over 40 years of experience. Now he's ready to share some industry luminaries and their perspectives with you. If you're interested in firearms, whether it be for shooting, for fun, competition, hunting, or self-defense, Kelly is here to share his wisdom and experience. Listen live for Taking Stock with Kelly Macmillan, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here for segment two on the Mike Abadir Show. Gina Bocola here with you, and we just got done with a nice interview with Ben Sorensen, future NFLer, the client uh, client of Mike Abadir is here. Mikey, the one thing I think you can immediately tell when you talk to Ben, man, he's got a great attitude. I love his attitude. He doesn't care who, what, when. He just wants to get on the field, and he just wants to play some football. Got such a great attitude. It's really been um a pleasure working for Ben because of that. He's so enthusiastic, very high energy. You know, he, he really brings it on and off the field and he's really well composed. doesn't sound like a player that's uh, entering into the NFL. sounds like somebody that's uh, been around the block for a little bit, doesn't he? Oh yeah. He, he does sound very mature, very veteran. Um, just, you know, it's funny. He says you've done a good job coaching him because he says the right things. He just does. You know, he's he knows right now what his spot is. He's not trying to be too flashy, trying to be too controversial. He just wants to to do what's asked of him and uh, and and just kind of knock it out of the park. You know, I, I like that attitude right now. And I think when he gets on and he when he gets in with someone, they're going to like that attitude immediately. And that's one thing is that, you know, what we've learned is there are a lot of talented players in in the NBA, in the NFL, in Major League Baseball. And man, the difference between being good and great, between being, you know, mediocre and good, between being an everyday player, it's not that much in talent. It's the little things like opportunity, attitude, getting people that believe in you. Those those are the key. You know, it's right place, right time, little things like that. And and when you get put in a good spot and you can really capitalize, and and Ben seems like that kind of guy that when he gets the opportunity, he's just going to really run with it. Oh, no doubt, man. I mean, you're exactly right. All these guys that are in the NFL or MLB or NBA, you know, they're all, you know, uh, they all have the measurables, right? So they have the right size. talent. Exactly. Right size for their position, speed, strength, hand-eye coordination, you you name it. The separator really is uh, what's going on between the ears. You know, that's kind of why, you know, some of the best players in each of their sports are guys like Mookie Betts and Steph Curry. 
guys who look like average people, you know, size wise, you know, you don't look at them and say, oh, that must be a professional athlete. But what's between their ears is remarkable. You know, if you take their brain and put it into just about anybody that's got some athleticism, they're going to be well, competitive and good. You know, Tony, I mean, were you listening to uh, I don't know if you watched the uh, the Sunday night baseball game um, when Bar- this week Bartolo had a perfect game against the Astros going into the eighth inning. And they were talking about that on the broadcast, why Bartolo Colon has kind of had a cult following the last couple of years and why people love Jose Altuve so much. It's because they look at them and they say, hey, that guy kind of looks like me. You, you know, he's not a big six foot eight um, stud athlete who I could never be that big or, you know, but he he works really, really hard. He's got a great attitude. He like I, I might be able to, you know, and you can just relate. And it was it's it's funny that you, you said that because it reminded me the other day of seeing guys that are just a little bit more relatable. Um, you know, you hear them talk, you you, you understand, and that's and, and that was what they were talking about the other day on the with Bart Bartrolo who uh, who was pitching very well. And I lo- I know you had to mention Mookie Betts at some point because I was going to wait. I was like, we're not talking much about baseball today, but I know Mike's going to have to get into Red Sox at some point because they are playing so well right now. So take your t- you're 10 seconds and gloat. How pumped are you about the first few weeks for the Red Sox? It's one of the best 15-game starts in Major League history. So, yeah. I mean, what more can I really say? Their pitching has been fantastic. Their hitting has just erupted in a big, big way. Home runs are coming in bunches. I mentioned last week that they had three grand slams uh, so far in the first like 10, 12 games. They had zero all of last year. Well, the grand slam tracker is now a four and they're getting, uh, you know, fantastic defensive play all the way around. You know, I don't know exactly how many errors they have, but I know for the, through the first nine, ten games, they had zero. And they're playing really good team ball. It seems like there's good chemistry. Cora's doing a fantastic job, and I'm absolutely loving it, man. I'm loving every moment of it. It's almost at a point now where I'm kind of like, hey, I wonder if they'll go uh, 160. You're, you're starting to get you know? yourself a little bit now. Yeah, like when they lose, now you're like, what? They lost? Or when they're down, you're like, what? This team's not supposed to be down. But great, great start for the Red Sox. And for a lot of us Dodger fans that were freaking out, we quietly had a pretty good week. We won four in a row now. We're back up to eight and nine. And we had a really fun series coming up this weekend um, with the injury to Rich Hill. It's going to change the pitching around. So on Friday night. Uh, at Dodger Stadium, we're going to get Kershaw versus Scherzer. What a game. Probably the two best pitchers in all of baseball right now. And we're going to see them lock up this weekend. So that's going to be a really, really fun game. I, I, I think they are. I mean, if I had to take one lefty, uh, it's obvious who I would take. And uh, I think Scherzer is the best uh, power pitcher, best right-handed pitcher in the game. Yeah, and the last two years, I think Scherzer's been a little bit better, especially during the regular season. I think he's just thrown more innings. His stats have been – he's had more strikeouts. They've just been a little bit more dominant. Kershaw's on the splits is usually a little bit better with his like uh, his ERA and whip, some of his peripherals, usually a, a bit better. But, yeah, I think I think those are the top two. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd like to throw a sale into the equation. Statistically, yeah. during the regular season, he's right up there. He's I, pretty freakish. I but I need to see it in the postseason a little bit. He's probably still about a year or two behind them. They've, they've probably done it maybe a little bit longer as but yeah you're you, you can't you can't really complain with uh with sale over there and so what we've started to see now too in baseball mikey is the big boys struggled out of the box a, a lot of the big squads the dodgers the cubs the nationals um even the yankees a lot of the teams that were favored and now they're starting to come back to life a little bit we got to remember this is the marath- a marathon season a lot of these teams that were good 
that were projected to be good this year means they were probably good last year, which means they probably played a little bit longer into the postseason than more teams, which means they get a delayed start to their year this year. So that generally means, you know, you're a little bit behind in spring training. You're not in quite as good a shape. It takes a little, a few more weeks into the season, a couple more reps to get to get the uh, the average going, to see the ball, um, to make your throws. And I think we're starting to see that now with with the the better teams starting to pick things up. So I'd imagine in the next couple of weeks, you'll you'll probably see even more from the Dodgers, the Nationals. Houston's been quietly been playing really well too, and uh, and Otani actually got blown up a little bit the other night for the first time. But he, I think they said he has an injury and he should be okay. So, well, um, speaking of injuries, I think two of those teams that you just mentioned are are minus maybe their best hitter or one of their best hitters in uh, obviously Turner with the Dodgers and Daniel Murphy with the uh, Nationals. I mean, that guy quietly puts up like three forty every single year, and I absolutely cannot wait until he comes back because he's on my fantasy team and my yeah. pitching is really good and my hitting has been. Uh, has been dismal. So I need Daniel Murphy to come back, please. <laughs> yeah, so. Mur- Murphy's a guy that when you play against Murphy, especially in the playoffs, you are terrified of him. Yeah, he Absolutely rakes. terrified. You think he's going to get a hit every single time he's playing. So you, you know what? I got to say, the, for the first few weeks of the year, I know you and I are baseball fans, but it's been, a, it's been a pretty fun start to the season. There's been a lot of games postponed, but there are some really good storylines this year, some good youth. And when you have a lot of um, teams that are supposed to be good, it, it fits for good storylines because whether or not they win, these are teams that people know the players on, they know the stars, and they're going to be watching these games. So it's like anything, when they win, people get mad, and when they get upset, everybody loves to root for the underdog. And I think this year it's going to be a very good baseball season all the way through. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I, I don't remember an early um – you know, first two weeks of the season that have matched this one. In I agree. There's, of a story lines. There's a lot yeah, of storylines, buzz, excitement, enthusiasm. It seems like baseball is kind of uh, on the uptick again. Which is crazy because right now you're in the middle of the NHL playoffs. We just saw how about Vegas sweep the Kings, the first ever, um, the first ever franchise expansion franchise team to i don't not only win a playoff game or series to sweep in a playoff series that's incredible for what they did and uh and the kings have been a very good franchise the last few years that's it's unbelievable and we've we've had a fun you know we, we dove into it a little bit last week but we've had a fun week in in the nba playoffs to start we saw lebron get crushed in uh in their game one he got beat up We've had fun, uh, some fun series, a couple games between Portland and New Orleans, just like we thought. That 3-6 matchup was one that you even mentioned that was going to be fun. And we've seen uh, New Orleans and, and Drew Holiday just kind of dominate the guards from Portland so far. Lillier and McCollum, we haven't seen much from them. And it's been a, it's been a good a good NBA first round. That first uh, weekend, that Saturday, Sunday, last weekend, we had good games all throughout the day. A lot of times these first round series are blowouts and they're not really fun, but I think with the parity in the regular season, it has kind of splashed over into the playoffs. Now we saw so many teams that were separated by just a couple games. And so, you know, you look at a se- a series like OKC and Utah, it's not really an, an upset when one team beats the other, they were only separated by a game in the regular season. Well, let me get you t- your take on this then, because you follow the NBA very closely, very knowledgeable about the, uh, each of the, the franchises, especially the playoff teams. So it, do you think it is more about, that we underestimated the Pacers, or is it that Cleveland is just not that good? Uh, I'll give you the cop-out answer. It's a combination of both. I, I do think that Indiana is very well coached, and, in, and Indiana has some pretty solid role players. If you took, 
And now, if you took Oladipo and then you took LeBron off, and then you started to draft players from each team, you'd probably go Kevin Love as your as your next player. And then after that, you might go two or three guys from Indiana. You know, you might go Miles Turner, um, maybe even a Thaddeus Young, a Collison if he's healthy, Bogdanovich. Those those players are all the same caliber as the role players that are on Cleveland that they made the trades for, for the the George Hills and the Clarksons and even J.R. Smith and Larry Nance Jr. They're all solid role players, but there's really no stars. You know, I'm a little disappointed. Clarkson hasn't gotten a lot of time. He, to me, was a scoring-type guy who I thought could take over a game or two here and there. We saw LeBron yesterday score the first 16 points to a game. I don't think I've ever seen anybody dominate a game quite like he was doing yesterday. But what's scary about that, Mike, is... You get this incredible performance from LeBron where he goes 46 points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists. He literally scored the first 16 points of the game. They were beating up Indiana. They were up by 15 in the first quarter at home. They only win that game by 3. And when you hear LeBron at the end of the game, he was pissed off when they interviewed him. He was mad. Like We we gave up an open 3. We were lucky to win this game. They very easily could have won it. Hey, I've never seen somebody win a game, score 46, and be so upset afterwards. And the one thing I well, thought I think when because, I, I think that, he knows he's got to know that if others don't, you know, step up, you know, he's he's not going to be able to win every single game single-handedly. I don't think at this I, stage of his career. Physically, he can't do it. He just doesn't I mean, you could see him after he went that hard. You know, there were spots where you'd watch him. He, he was having to pick and choose his spots. Like, he can't make the track down blocks and steals like he used to on defense where he, he runs down the full court. Oladipo had one of those, and he beat him. Um, and, and, he got the, and he got the dunk. And so, you know, you, you look at the team. You got a little bit from Kevin Love, who they don't know what, what's his deal injury-wise. Uh, he had a thumb issue. They're going to work on him. And after that, I mean, look at the contributions you're getting from the rest of the team. I know it's a little difficult last night when LeBron scores 46, but... George Hill, two for three, six points. Uh, J.R. Smith, two for five, five points. Larry Nance took one shot, two points. Jeff Green, one for three, two points. Calderon, five points. Clarkson, two points. Hood, five points. I mean, you need one. You don't need all of them, but you need one of those guys to step up with a 15 to 20 point game. And, and that's why they made those trades. Like, it could be Hood one night. It could be Clarkson one night. Maybe one night you're getting good contributions from Nance with, you know, loose balls and putting them back in. But if all of these guys simultaneously are not stepping up and giving them not, not giving them anything, Cleveland is in some real trouble because they got to go to Indiana now and play two games on the road. How many games have they played together? 30 since the trade? I mean, is that yeah. enough to really gel as a team? And you got to remember, a lot of those games weren't with Kevin Love. You know, he, he's only been back for now for a couple weeks. So a lot of those games were with LeBron and the, the new guys were without Kevin Love in the mix, which really changes the way you're going to play. Where you're of going course. To, where you're, where uh, how many games shot? have they played together with all of them? Maybe how many 10? shots? 15, you know, not, not a ton, not a ton. And there you it, it's noticeable on the court. It's noticeable. It's noticeable when when. When things start to slow down, right? Because the beginning of the game, you can come out, everyone's fired up, LeBron's going crazy. But then when the end of the first quarter and you start the second quarter, you got to make a couple subs. Things start to slow down a little bit. LeBron needs two or three minutes. Who's going to step up and help him? And that's the problem. You know, you got to just be able to get this guy a couple minutes. He played 40 again last night. You know, he's. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And th- to me, th- 
you know, I, I think that's going to be that's going to make or break the East, right? I mean, can they get it together or or not? Otherwise, uh, we're going to see one of your upsets that you called out from uh, and, last week. You know, and we're interesting game tonight is Philly Miami. They're saying right now that Joel Embiid is still doubtful for the game. So now, if you're talking about you know you're playing in Miami now, it's that that series is tied one one. They they seem like they figured out how to kind of stop Ben Simmons a little bit. They were really up in him. Justice Winslow was was defending him from coast to coast, up in his grill, just completely trying to lock him down, not giving him an ounce of space. Yeah, and how good was Dwayne Wade the other night? And Oh, man, he was playoff Wade. He was just incredible. They were telling stories about how uh, how sh- much uh, better shape he's been in since getting back to Miami. They do um, body fat tests every couple days. So they kind of shame you. They body shame you over there it, it, with the heat. If you're not, if you're like body fat is getting up at all, they're going to call you out. You're going to know it every couple days. So he's just been an incredible shape and he looks back to old D Wade again. It's not one of those things that he's going to be able to pull out every night, but he can do this maybe two times in a series. Oh, I think so. And you know, I, uh, I'm going to stick with my prediction. Obviously I've, having seen a couple of games, I, I feel pretty confident that Miami is going to upset the 76ers. I still think that they're a few years away. Uh, they made huge, huge, huge progress this year. You know, trust the process and all that good stuff. But, you know, NBA teams, we've seen it time and time again, that good young teams, they need some playoff experience. They don't get beat immediate- up. Yeah, they don't immediately make the jump to the finals. Very rare that you see that. Even with the Warriors, you know, you had to be a little bit battle-tested. They got beat by the Clippers that year, right? Yep. So, uh, you you know, you have to, you know, kind of take your uh, lumps and get that experience under the belt before you can move on and uh, get to the finals. Maybe even lose a finals before you win one, depending on who you line up against. Uh, But they're going to be a really, really fun team to watch. I think that the Celtics and the Sixers, their fan bases have a lot to be excited about excited about i think that's going to be a revival of what was a great old rivalry in the nba and we may see it play out for the next five to ten years so should be a lot of fun now real quickly gino you know we were anticipating uh rick saratella from the nfl draft bible to join us i know he's got so many obligations tied up trying to wrap up another interview may or may not be able to get him in but real quickly a minute before the break Give me your top five NFL draft prospects that are quarterbacks. So right now, the, the hot the hot guy climbing the ranks it looks like Allen. Like everybody's starting to talk about Allen now, and and Allen is possibly the number one pick. So the names are Allen, Darnold, Rosen, Mayfield, and you're hearing probably Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, Mason Rudolph. Yep. Rudolph and Jackson, I guess it's going to be one of those two. It's looking like Rudolph in some of the, the mocks that I'm looking at. It's kind of mid-first round. Um, I'll okay, say so of, so of all of them, I'm probably the lowest. I'm probably the lowest on Lamar. Um, okay. I'm just the, to me, I'm just, I got to see it first. You know, I've seen too many really good, really athletic um, quarterbacks who can run and who can move, who come into the, who come in and they get hit and they, they can't run, but they, and they stood when they can't run, they prove that they're not necessarily just a drop back passer. I think there's so many of these type of players that have to be able to do both to succeed. So I want to, I want Lamar Jackson to prove it to me. Um, to be completely honest, you probably wouldn't be surprised hearing this from a Trojan guy. I think I'm the highest on Rosen. Um, and I'm, I'm high on Sam too, Darnold. I do think Darnold's good, going to be very good. I think Darnold would probably be the best in five years. 
But I think if you're looking for somebody right now who might be the most ready to just step in and play, I think that's Josh Rosen. He is a really good quarterback. And you know what? He's smart. He People don't like some of the things that he says because he just – he just—he's been brought up differently. He—he's never really had to worry about money. Uh, he's a wealthy guy. His family's wealthy. He just says what's on his mind. Um, but he's very cerebral. If you look into some of his quotes, or you ever get a chance to hear him talk, listen to him because the guy is very, very smart. And I think he's going to be a really good quarterback in the pros. So I'm—I'm I'm, I'm the highest on the uh, on the Pac-12 guys. I, I like—I would slightly put Rosen ahead of Darnold, but I, I do think Sam is a gamer, in my opinion. I think. Sam and Josh are a little different in that Josh is more sexy. When you look at him, he looks like what a quarterback's supposed to be. He throws like how a quarterback's supposed to throw. He, he can make all those throws. Sam's the kind of guy who, in the huddle, when it's, you know, fourth and two and you need a play, he'll make that play and he'll kind of inspire everyone around him to get up. So I think they're a little bit different, but they're both going to be very, very good. I have them as my top two. Since we're up against the break, I'll leave you with a bold prediction. And by the way, I agree. Rosen on film shows up more than any other of the draft prospects. That's uh, without a doubt. And based on my conversations with scouts and insiders, um, that is clear cut. My concern with him is, uh, you know, that he's a little bit injury prone. But let me let me leave you with this prediction, and then we'll take our uh, next break here. 20 is the number, 20%. So from the five big guys that everybody's talking about, 20%, which means one guy will succeed, four will fail. Who that's going to be, I don't know, because I am not very good at predicting in this game. And guess what? Neither is the NFL. No. How many they miss on? Because they're going <laughs> to miss on that exact ratio that I just said. So there's going to be four teams that are going to be wrong. They're going to use high draft selections to take one of these guys, and one team is going to be right. Who that's going to be, I don't know. But here's what I'll tell you. Oftentimes, it is the one that surprises you the most that comes through. It's easy for us right now to look back and say, oh, Carson Wentz. But he look at the school he came from, the conference he came from. You know, I think there was a lot of doubt. There were a lot of guys that had higher grades. He turned out to be probably the best of the bunch. Same thing is going to happen this time around. 20%. Remember that number. We're late for the break, so let's take it. And then we'll be back with our March Madness contest winner, Dave, Dave. Foster. So stay tight. We'll be back in a few short moments. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice American Network and let's talk football. We're talking big game adventures this week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav. While most seasons are still months away, that doesn't mean we can't start preparing for our fall pursuits right now. Joining us is Jenna Waller, host of Skullbound TV, Derek Ratliff, president and founder of Horizon Firearms, plus Tom and Nick of Become One. It's presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. We had two NCAA tournament bracket contest this year for the Mike Abadir show. We did the first one, and then almost everybody got knocked out with a lot of their uh, Final Four teams in the first weekend. So we decided to do a second chance tourney. But one person who didn't need the second chance tourney was Beth Foster. Beth Foster was the winner of our Yahoo Sports tournament challenge. So a big congrats to Beth. She's going to win a couple hundred dollar gift card, and she got to have the opportunity to come on the show with us and host a segment. But Mike, Beth, when I uh, talked to her, she said, Gino, i got to be honest, I want to pass this off to my husband, Dave. He's a fan of the show, and he would much rather come on and talk with you than I would. I'm a little nervous, so I'm going to see if it's okay if Dave can come on. So I know Dave, he's uh, He's a big horse racing fan. Dave's been following and listening to our show for a while. I used to uh, interact with Dave when I was back at TVG. So he is on for our segment today. So Dave, congrats to Beth and congrats to you. And uh, welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. What's up, Dave? Hey. Hey, Mike. Hey, Gino. Thanks a lot for having me on today, guys. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Dave. Uh, tell us about you and Beth. Where are you guys located? Um, what kind of sports and, and stuff are you into? What do you do for a living? Give us a little uh, a little overview of, uh, of you guys. Well, uh, we live in Lansing, Michigan. Uh, we're big sports fans. Uh, college basketball. Um, I really like college hockey. Uh, huge horse racing fans. Uh, if you know any, uh, if you talk to any of our friends, you'd know that uh, that's like number one on the list. So. Um, that's a big thing. As for my uh, personal life, uh, it, besides being a handicapper, uh, I work for the Bureau of Elections for the state of Michigan. Um, so we handle all the elections here in the state. Wow. Now, is that, uh, I got to ask you, that's l- like local and state level elections, but th- would that include any, any federal stuff, any of the Senate races or presidential elections, or is that conducted by a different group then? Nope. Top to bottom. Top to bottom. Wow. We oversee Phew. all of that. Very Big man over there. Big yeah. man in Michigan. Love it. Love it. So Now, i got to ask really quickly here. Michigan or Michigan State? Michigan State, no doubt. Nice. Go green. Nice. <laughs> um, so how did you get into horse racing? That's, it's always a great question to ask, and generally it's a family thing, but what got you into it? Well, I'll tell you where it started. Uh, I, I actually, uh, my grandfather, um, he liked greyhound racing, so that's what got me started in the racing circle, and then I kind of expanded out into horse racing, um, and I still enjoy both. Um, just, you know, one is clearly on TV more often, things like that. You know, there's the ability to watch more races as far as horse racing. So, Is, is there still the, on racing in the state of Michigan, by the way? We're down to one track now. It's, it's unfortunate. Uh, there's, there's harness racing here still. Uh, the last thoroughbred track actually just closed, I don't know, about a week or two ago. Yeah. So, oh, that's very sad. So, um, so you, you play the races a good amount. Like, let's talk about like your handicapping and stuff. We were just talking about this on the break before, uh, before we came onto the show, what stuff when you look at a race and when you want to bet a race, what stuff are you looking at? What's your preparation like? 
Well, it, it starts with the program, obviously. You want to see what's on, what, you, what you have on paper. Um, from there, it goes back to watching replays, uh, checking out what the horse had the last race or two. Um, I really want to see improving figures, improving buyer figures. Um, was there any conflicts in the race? You know, did they get stuck behind a wall of horses? Um, what was the speed coming out of the gate? Uh, was this horse wearing itself out right out at the start? Was, is it looking to make a huge comeback? You know, do you have a closer? Um, those type of things. Uh, so it's and analyzing the whole race from you know top to bottom and seeing where you stand. As far as a wagering perspective, how do you play? Are you more of a, a win wager? Do you play pick fours and pick fives, exact the trifectas, maybe a little bit of everything? Where does uh, your bankroll kind of focus in on? It's usually on the top two. It's it's a win place or exactas. Um, I'll go into the trifectas or superfectas if I think I got a clear winner um, because I can expand underneath and maybe pick up some higher-priced horses and get a better payout. Well, one of the days to get the best payouts when we're playing some of those exactas and tries and supers is the Kentucky Derby, which is just a couple weeks out now. Pretty crazy that we're getting this close to the Derby already. And we know the field is now set. There's always going to be maybe one or two defections in the next couple weeks. Unfortunately, uh, someone will get hurt at training or some of the owners and trainers will decide maybe they don't want to run here. They want to run in the Preakness instead or maybe uh, they want to cut back. But we, we have the field set at, from 1 through 20 right now. Uh, we know Combatant is currently number 20 on the points list, and we know that the number one horse is the undefeated Magnum Moon. So we've got about seven or eight minutes left. Let's kind of go through some of these derby horses, and uh, and we can kind of jump into who you like, or if you want to post any questions for us. Kinda right off the top, we have Magnum Moon, Good Magic, Audible, and you know those, those are going to be probably three of the top, I'd say, six, five or six betting choices going through them. We're going to... Who are you high on? Who are you not? Who are horses that you're curious on? Going to give us some of your overview of uh, of this field right now. Sure, sounds good. Um, I'll start with Audible. Um, he's my top choice. He's been on my watch list for a long time uh, and hasn't moved out of that top spot. Um, he's out of uh, Into Mischief. Uh, seems to always have a, a race, a, a quality race. Um, he finishes strong. Four for five lifetime, including uh, victories in the Holy Bowl and Florida Derby. He's not pace dependent, which I really like. Um, makes him more versatile when he's out on the in the field, especially in the Derby. I think that's an important characteristic. Um, the other horse that I really like as well is Justify, um, undefeated Colt out of Scat Daddy. Uh, he's really taken it to Bolt to Oro twice now. Um, Money Mike Smith on the mound. Uh, he's currently peaking and real talented, in my opinion, and he's moved way up my list from 20 earlier in the year all the way up to number two right now. He's freaky good, and I love what you you mentioned about Audible because that's a good point I think for a lot of the listeners that are you know going to play the Kentucky Derby in particular. In the last like five years, almost everyone that's won the Derby has had the same trip. And isn't that kind of the trip that Audible projects to have? Like that California Chrome, always dreaming, where you're not on the lead, but you're just right off of it. You have that tactical speed. You're kind of push-button horse where you can go whenever. I wasn't as high on Audible immediately after the Florida Derby, but the more and more I've seen everybody and the more and more I've watched the rest of the field, I think you're right, Dave. He he feels like a horse that, don't you think he's just going to get a perfect trip? 
I, I think so. I think he'll be sitting in that four or five slot there, um, you know, as they get around that first turn, and he'll be in real good shape to uh, close on some of the leaders. There's going to be some early speed in there, you know, with promises fulfilled, and I don't know who else will be up front challenging. Uh, Maybe quit, flame gonna... away, but he's going, yeah. Promises fulfilled, they're definitely going. And, and it's going to be hot. You know, it's going to be a hot pace up there. I think we might have lacked that a couple times in the Derby of recent, but it's, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be fast-paced. Now, yeah. I always have to point this out, and, and Gina knows uh, that, that for some reason I'm kind of fascinated by this, but your top two in Audible and Justify both have uh, uh, ownership groups involving the China Horse Club uh, as well as Windstar Farms. With Audible, here's a question uh, that I'll pose to both of you guys. It's not a trivia question because I don't know the answer to it. Maybe you guys do. So Audible is a New York bred. When is the last time that uh, a New York bred won the Kentucky Derby? Do either funny of you guys side? know? Was it Funny Side? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was Funny Side. Uh, that was what oh seven uh, somewhere around there. Yeah, I'll, I'll check on that, but I'm I'm pretty sure. But no, that that's a great point. No, you're right. It, it's just a, it's a good it's a good find um, with Audible, and and he will. Uh, it's, for me, Dave, I'm I'm with you because when you handicap the Derby, it's you handicap it a little bit different than the other races, but you don't want to go too overboard in doing everything different because it is just one more race. But I think the point that I look for really is the trip. You know, you don't want a horse that's necessarily going to need the lead and get burned up, but you don't want a horse that you, you're going to be saying, okay, well, I know this horse is going to be 15 lengths out of it right off the bat. I feel like it's just so nice to have a horse that you go, you know what, whatever the race kind of shapes up, I think this horse is going to be in a good spot. I'm going to ask a question now, too. What do you, what do you guys think about Mendelssohn? I'm a, I'm a little bit confused on my handicapping as far as that's concerned, so I've been entertaining, you know, other people's thoughts on, on how he's going to perform here at the Kentucky Derby. In my opinion, this year, this will be the first time that I have ever used a horse um, that won the UAE Derby on all of my tickets. Uh, main reason why is I like the fact that Mendelssohn has already been to the U.S. before. He came here last year for the Breeders' Cup, and he so he's shipped in. He knows what it's like. He's already done this. I think sometimes for young horses to ship in for the first time, they have to quarantine. They have to deal with the everything leading up to the Derby. That's a lot to handle. This horse is an absolute freak. He will be on all of my tickets. He is on my top three right now. So I'm not going to let him beat me this year, mainly because I'm not really high on a lot of the... There, there are two or three horses I like. I like Justify a lot. Audible is probably my fourth or fifth in my top five. Um, I do think both Yoro is worth um, giving another shot back. And um, there might be one or two more once I really dig into the handicapping. But um, Mendelssohn will be on all of my tickets this year, Dave. I, I think he's a wild card. And Gino, not just did he come out here, but he he won. Yeah. So I mean, uh, obviously he travels well. I'm with you on that. I think if that was not the case, uh, Dave, uh, I've always kind of uh, sided against any uh, UAE winner until they prove otherwise. Uh, but like Gino said, you know, I think that's a very important observation for me personally. I probably don't use him on a win ticket. Uh, but I include him in exact as pick threes, pick fours. Now we've got one minute left uh, before we got to wrap up here, Dave. So uh, aside from telling you and Beth, congratulations, uh, you've already given us your one, two selections with Audible and Justify. Uh, tell everybody how they could follow you uh, on social media and uh, see, you know, track your progress with the Derby and Triple Crown races. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be uh, posting stuff about the Triple Crown now probably for, you know, the next couple months. Uh, and you can follow me at Pro Foster, so that's P R O Foster. 
Um, and I post a lot of stuff on there in my daily adventures. Most of it's horse racing related, a um, little bit of greyhound racing stuff. Uh, but you'll be able to follow what's going on, and I'll post any updates that I have on any of my picks and things like that. Awesome. Tell, tell Beth hello and congratulate her again. Um, and next time uh, we'll have you come on. We'll talk some more derby, and we'll have Beth come on for a minute and say hello. You did a great job, and we look forward to, to hearing back from you again, Dave. Awesome job, man. Fantastic, okay, Dave. Thank you. You guys have a great day, okay? You too. Have a good one. That's good stuff. Yeah, man. He's, he's sharp. You could tell immediately, you know, and I, I imagined when he said he wanted to talk derby, he knew what he was talking about. You know yep. what I mean? He's, yep. he's not someone that doesn't know the races and doesn't put the time in. So great job by uh, by Dave. Awesome job by Beth. And a really good interview from Ben earlier on today, man. I'm, I'm excited for Ben's progress. Yep. Good stuff there. So thank you for listening, everyone. And we will continue on the NFL draft topic next week. Have a great sports weekend. Goodbye. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.